0: Welcome to the Public School Matters Podcast presented by the North Carolina Association of School Administrators. I'm Katherine Joyce, NCASA's Executive Director, and joining me as she does for each episode is Legal Affairs and Policy Manager, Elizabeth Yelverton. Together, we talk about the legislative and policy news affecting our public schools in North Carolina.
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Last episode, you might remember that we were joined by Representative Jeffrey Elmore, a Republican state lawmaker and arts education teacher from Wilkes County, North Carolina. And he helped us go through some of the highlights of the 2023 North Carolina state budget.
0: And what a great guest Representative Elmore was. We're always thankful to have input from actual educators like him on these education law and policy proposals that are uh, winding their way through either the legislature or State Board of Education or other entities. But speaking of being thankful, Elizabeth, I know many folks just celebrated the Thanksgiving holiday. Is there anything that you're especially thankful for?
1: I am thankful for a lot of things, Catherine, but professionally, I'm thankful that the 2023 legislative long session is pretty much over.
0: Absolutely. That is for sure, Elizabeth. <laughs> I know it feels like we just had a state budget approved in October, but many groups are already looking at their legislative priorities for the 2024 short session. That includes us here at NCASA, right? Right.
1: That's right, Catherine. It might be November still, but we've made our list and we're checking it twice. Well, okay, actually a few dozen times before sharing it publicly. So while the NCASA board hasn't officially approved our 2024 legislative priorities yet, we've been gathering feedback from our affiliates on which topics we think we need to prioritize in the new year.
0: And while we can't share our wish list publicly just yet, we can discuss some hot topics in education that we do expect to see in 2024. Why don't we start with a topic that's gained a lot of discussion recently, the early graduate
1: program? Ooh, a hot topic indeed, Catherine. If you listen to our last episode, you know that this is a new program that was included in the 2023 budget. It was actually included in the higher education section of the budget. And this program would provide all students with the option to graduate from high school in three years, at which point they could possibly receive a scholarship that they could use at a community college or state or private university. So this isn't effective uh, quite yet because the first students who could graduate early are current 10th graders who could graduate early following their junior year in the 2024-25 school year.
0: Really sounds like a great opportunity for our students, Elizabeth, but I think the biggest outstanding issue we've heard from many educators about this program is that it restricts the ability of our local school districts to require additional credits for students to graduate from high school. The language in the new state budget law specifically prohibits any additional credits above the state minimum, which now is set at 22 credits. This may not sound like a big deal, but we have many school districts across the state that have additional local requirements such as volunteer hours or career exploration that they think is really important for students and that they would no longer be allowed um, to require those additional credits like those next school year.
1: That's right, Catherine. And we also want to make sure that our students that do choose to graduate in three years under this new program, that they understand the practical implications of that choice. Um, There are so many services and programs that our schools provide, things like nutrition, transportation, counseling, sports, that our students may may no longer have access to once they officially graduate from the school district.
0: So we've been asking lawmakers to modify the language in the state budget law to allow our school districts to continue requiring these important credits for traditional four-year graduates. And also to create some sort of waiver process for students that want to graduate early rather than just assuming that every student should automatically have that option.
1: Right. And as you know, Catherine, we were hoping to get this option, this modified language, which we call a technical correction, uh, passed before the end of the 2023 long session. But unfortunately, we've heard from lawmakers that this probably won't be addressed until 2024.
0: Unfortunately, that's probably right, Elizabeth. But, you know, we could probably spend this entire episode just discussing this early graduate program We should, though, probably mention another hot topic that's going to affect our schools in 2024 and beyond, and that's the new Parents' Bill of Rights. You may remember lawmakers passed this wide-sweeping bill back in August, overriding the governor's veto on it. And then since its passage, NCASA, the Department of Public Instruction, and some other education stakeholders all have been gathering and sharing implementation guidance for our school districts. Just because there's so many things they have to work through to put their plan for compliance with this new law in place, I think one of the biggest remaining challenges created by the bill is the new requirement for our schools to share what's called the Parent's Guide to Student Achievement. This guide outlines for parents numerous requirements and resources related to their child's achievement in school and requires the school system to put it all in one place for their convenience.
1: Right. It's kind of like a one-stop shop for parents. We do know that many of our school districts already share most of this information, Um, but as you mentioned, the law requires our districts to gather this information in one place and then share it at the beginning of each school year in meetings with students, parents, and, and teachers. But since the law was passed after the 23-24 school year had already begun, the Department of Public Instruction has actually interpreted this specific requirement, the Parent's Guide to Student Achievement, to start at the beginning of the 24-25 school year. It will
0: be a lot of work for our districts to compile this information, but hopefully the forthcoming guidance from the Department of Public Instruction on the minimum requirements that districts will need to include in this parent's guide will be helpful to them in that process. That guidance is expected in December of 2023, so at least our districts will have a few months to consider how best to implement these new requirements for the 24-25 school year.
1: And in the meantime, we, you know, our districts still have a lot to comply with uh, regarding the Parents' Bill of Rights. Um, Specifically, it requires our local boards of education and the state board of education to pass policies and procedures outlining new remedies for parents. So things like these new parental concern hearings. So like I said, there's still plenty for our schools to implement when it comes to this massive piece of legislation.
0: Absolutely, Elizabeth. And while there's still a ways to go with this new requirement, I think we can share some good news when it comes to another new requirement in the 23-state budget, the conflict of interest training that is now required for public school employees.
1: Yeah, I, I never thought I'd be excited to talk about required conflict of interest training, Catherine, but here we are. As you know, the 23 budget uh, that became effective in October included a new requirement for public school employees who are involved in the making or administering of contracts to receive a minimum of two hours of training on conflicts of interest. And so we think that this requirement was really directed at school superintendents, but actually, uh, the vast majority of NCASA's members will need to meet this uh, new training requirement.
0: That's a lot of people because that's that's roughly 7,000 school administrators in our membership. So we know it yep. does affect a lot of our members. So why are we excited about this training, you might ask? Well, the NCASA team saw this requirement as an opportunity for us to provide a great free resource for our members. And our small but awesome team just recently finished pulling together a very comprehensive training video, which is now accessible to all our members through our website.
1: Woohoo! Uh, We definitely could not have pulled this together uh, without the numerous school administrators and local board of education attorneys who volunteered their time uh, to share their expertise and best practices on how to ethically navigate these conflicts of interest. And of course, we have to give a shout out to Rick Scoggins, our communications manager here at NCASA, who spent hours editing the video and making us all look great.
0: Yes, and some of us take more work than others, Elizabeth, but definitely a big shout out goes to Rick. And as you can tell, we're very proud of this free training video, and we hope it will be a very valuable resource for our members for years to come.
1: Well, with the short time we have left today, what do you think about a rapid fire wrap up of some of the other education hot topics we're seeing? So one of us can mention a topic or an issue that we're following, and the other can say a couple sentences about it. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. So to start us off, what can you tell me about at-risk funding and ELIS?
0: ELIS, okay. So this is another topic brought to us by the 23 state budget. It requires the Department of Public Instruction to use $7 million of funds each year that previously all have been allocated to the at-risk student services, alternative schools allotment. This will now be utilized as $7 million for the Extended Learning and Integrated Student Supports, or LS, Competitive Grant Program. We know that funding for at-risk student services is very important to our school districts, so we'll be following this issue closely. Now for your turn, Elizabeth, what can you tell me about the new student information system?
1: Well, this one is a pretty recent development, Catherine, since the State Board of Education just approved in early November a $74 million contract with the company Infinite Campus, which will replace PowerSchool as the state's uh, new student information system provider, and that will begin in the 25-26 school year. Uh, As you know, this would be a massive change for our schools. So you bet we'll be following news and guidance uh, surrounding the implementation of this new product that most of our schools will will be using. So switching gears again, Catherine, um, what can you share about a new funding model for exceptional children?
0: That is an exciting development in the way our state provides funding for students with disabilities. Currently, our state has a 13% funding cap for students with disabilities, meaning that if more than 13% of students in any given school district identify as special needs, then the state is not covering, with additional funding, the students above that 13% level. So the district ultimately just has to serve more students with disabilities with the same amount of funding, meaning that the the dollars are spread more thinly and and really not reaching as many students as as they should be. So the 2023 state budget, though, is actually requiring the Department of Public Instruction to come up with a new funding model, and they would now fund children with disabilities based on the reported cost of the services actually provided to each student. So uh, this report that is uh, required is going to have to go to the legislature by January 15th of 2024. And I think this may be a topic that legislators will be discussing in the new year. And you know what else I hope legislators will be discussing in 2024, Elizabeth? School performance grades.
1: Ah, yes. Everyone's favorite topic, the school performance grade redesign process. We know that the Department of Public Instruction has been working on a proposal that will revise the way our schools are held accountable. So right now, that is based 80% on student proficiency and 20% on student growth. But there are so many other factors that many education stakeholders, us included here at NCASA, think would be really beneficial to add into this calculation. So things like percentage of students who identify as economically disadvantaged, or even results from the teacher working conditions survey, those would be really beneficial to add into this calculation.
0: Absolutely. And I know you didn't ask, but I think I'll wrap up today's Hot Topics episode with one more very big topic, school choice expansion and and accountability for some of those uh, private schools that benefit from that expansion. We've seen a lot of expansion in North Carolina here in the past couple of years or so when it comes to school choice options, such as charter schools and private school vouchers. We could have an entire podcast just on that topic, but I would be remiss not to at least mention this massive topic that we'll be following in 2024 um, and seeing what else happens in in that whole uh, school choice arena.
1: Uh, We've definitely seen a huge push in school choice options across the country over these past recent years. So I'm sure that this often controversial subject will remain a hot topic for the foreseeable future.
0: We've covered a lot of topics, and I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but I'm worn out after all all these topics and and thinking about all the things that that may be on the agenda for next year's legislative session.
1: You're preaching to the choir, Catherine. And while it's definitely been fun highlighting uh, just a few of the education hot topics that we expect to see in 2024, you and I both know that, unfortunately, we haven't even scratched the surface on all the education-related issues that can come up in the new year.
0: Do you know... Our folks can count on us to be right back here in in 2024, talking about each and every one of these developments that affect our public schools and the administrators who lead them every day. So um, definitely listen to future episodes of this podcast to hear that information, as well as follow us in our weekly e-newsletter, The Leadership Link.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at tweets. Email us at info at or check out our website, www.ncasa.net.
0: You've been listening to Public School Matters with the North Carolina Association of School Administrators. To stay up to date on legislation and policy news affecting K-12 education, we hope you will subscribe to this podcast and join us for future episodes. Thank you for helping us ensure that each public school matters.